Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Friday evening. Well, this broke last night. We did break it here on the show, Point of View, but it's been the big talker of the day, and that is the fact that President Trump putting tariffs on every single product coming up from Mexico into the United States starting potentially June 10th. He's going to start at 5%, and then every month thereafter, it'll go up another 5%, all the way up to 25%, until Mexico does something to stop all the people from the Northern Triangle coming up to our border. Now, the reason he's doing that, you're looking at the video right now, a lot of it is because so many people, especially his supporters, are so upset. We had the largest apprehension ever at our southern border on Wednesday. Here's a guy that said, hey, we're going to stop this. We're going to build a wall. And then we had the single largest apprehension in the history, at least since we've been keeping track, at the border on Wednesday. To give you some context here, what you're seeing right now is over a thousand people, over a thousand people that we apprehended on Wednesday. Roughly, I think uh, 63 of these were unaccompanied uh, minors. So these are little kids traveling up here all by themselves. And again, for some context, the biggest apprehension in the history of the United States before this number of more than a thousand, 424. So more than double. When President Trump, this is actually, he tweeted this video out, but he saw it, he said, look, enough's enough. He goes, we've got to do something because Mexico is being way too lenient on allowing these people to come up from the Northern Triangle, meaning Honduras, Nicaragua, and El Salvador. So as I'm sure you've seen with the markets, the markets are not happy about it. Uh, Secretary of Treasury Steve Mnuchin, not happy about it. Bob Lighthizer, the made U.S. trade rep, he's not happy about it. You've got some businesses now, including the U.S. Chamber, saying they may actually sue the administration over these tariffs because of the impact it potentially could have on business economy. And as we know here, uh, North Dakota and Minnesota, I mean, our biggest trading partners right now are Canada, and especially for the corn guys, is Mexico. So we want to talk about what potentially could be the impact of these tariffs and more about also Mexico, some of their immigration laws. We're going to hit a couple other topics tonight as well, but join us. This was like a godsend for me. It's the perfect couple of people. It's kind of a mini roundtable tonight, but Raheem Williams is joining us. He's an economist and a contributor with the uh, called The Federalist. So great to have you here, Raheem. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Chris. And also Cindy Gomez Shemp from Mexican Crossing Lines. Bienvenidos. Gracias. Did I say that? <laughs> I got that right. So I want to start here, uh, actually, from the economic standpoint. Is tariffs the right way to stop illegal immigration? Well, in general, tariffs are, especially if this turns into a trade war, which I really hope it doesn't. I don't think it will go that far, but you never know. Uh, it's a race to the bottom. Um, who pays what, it kind of becomes a little irrelevant. And at the end of the day, it's going to cost both countries. And, if, I, and I, I, if we'll this, get into that. But my, my question <coughs> to you is, is why use this lever to try and stop immigration? I'm not quite sure it's going to work, only because <laughs> we, have, we have a broken legal system. The asylum system is broke. It allows anybody to basically sneak in. You don't have to use a port of entry. Um, and just basically say, hey, I'm an asylum, and they give you a court date that's months out, and you might not show up. So it's, there's... The laws are set up that uh, against our, our uh, border patrol agents, against against ICE, is against basically border security, and we have to fix those loopholes in the asylum laws to really address this problem. Totally agree, but again, that's a congressional thing, not necessarily an executive action regarding tariffs. That's why I think it's so great to have you here. You were just down at the border yourself. I know that you follow a lot of things that are happening in the Mexican media. Mexico's got some of the toughest immigration laws out there. Why are they being so lenient and allowing these people to come up through the Northern Triangle? It's because of the Morena Party, the party that is the the party of the president, AMLO, and 
the majority of the Mexican people are fed up with this mass migration. I don't think that it's fair to punish businesses that are going to be taking the hardest hit with these tariffs in Mexico because I think this is a great opportunity for the president to partner with Mexican business and Mexican people in stopping this mass migration. They want at that. But to be fair to him, that's what he's been trying to do with the USMCA. The USMCA is, is going to raise wages for a lot of the workers in Mexico. And I think you, you both speak to another thing is mm -hmm. the fact that, hey, if these tariffs go into an effect, it starts to uh, hurt the Mexican economy. Now you're going to see more unemployment, wages going mm -hmm. down, and more people probably trying to come to our border, correct? Mm -hmm. Chris, Mexican business owners have a lot of sway with politics in Mexico, and those are the people that are going to be hurt the worst. And frankly, what he said is true. <laughs> Raheem is right about fixing our loophole in uh, immigration policy. Mexico has a stronger immigration yes. policy than the United States does. We have to Most countries that. do. Most countries yeah. do. But my thing to you guys is, is I get that, but if the economy now starts to nosedive, that's only going to hurt Donald Trump in 2020. The Democrats are going to love that, and the fixes are congressional. So if I'm Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and watch this thing blow up. Well, to an extent, um, Republicans have to admit that they blew two years in, in regards to immigration Right, but that's reform. in the past. That Nancy is in the past. Moving that. forward, uh, Donald Trump can try to do whatever he wants, but at the end of the day, Mexico's a sovereign country. And we can try to use our sphere of influence uh, in, in a way that's conductive and that uh, encourages cooperation, or we can push them away, and I'm not sure if that's a good idea. Well, the good news is, and how do you say the president's... Uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador. Andres Manuel López, López Obrador. Obrador. Gracias. Uh -huh. um, but he said, look, I, I'm not going to do an eye for an eye in a letter that he sent to President Trump. Mm -hmm. I want to work with President exactly. Trump. So one, what do you think that means? And number two, when I asked you the question initially, why are they being so easy on letting these people come up? I thought you were going to talk more about the cartel and the powers that the cartel has by trafficking these people, and you didn't go there. Am I well, missing something? Or? No, you're right. The cartel has a lot of power in Mexico, and especially with the mass migration, nothing happens with a cartel say-so. That's my point. So how do you solve this by but using the, tariffs? But the, but the people and even this presidency that has allowed mass migration to happen is starting to turn the corner because the uh, southern border of Mexico is being overrun. There are states that are completely overrun right now by mass migration. It's hurting the economy of the states of Chiapas, Oaxaca. And so those, those people are seeing, and it's a barometer that the people in the north of Mexico are starting to see needs to change. But how does Manlo put pressure on the cartel to do anything? Um, well, I mean, the Mexican people have to make that change. I'm, I have no idea how to pressure cartels in <laughs> Mexico. Right. No, I'm no. going to be honest with you. That's just outside of my uh, my expertise. <laughs> because ultimately, she says it hurts businesses, but also you know the consumers ultimately are the ones that pay for the tariffs. Oh, correct? absolutely, uh, and producers as well. The, the the tariffs fall on both foreign producers and and consumers, depending on the product, how much, where. But at the end of the day, uh, it is a race to the bottom. And should this provide some incentive for the Mexicans to clamp down or the Mexican government to clamp down on mass migration? Uh, yes, to, but again, we, we have to question their ability to do so because they've made attempts in the past, yet it continues to happen. So that's, that's another fair question. It's not only what our government can do differently, but can the Mexican government yeah, get this question. under control? I, I, think, I think that you have, when you're talking about the cartels, you're talking about human trafficking, sex trafficking, and drug trafficking. And as long as there's an, a market in the United States for all of those things, that's going to continue to happen. You have to attack 
the issue. You have to strengthen our trafficking uh, laws, uh, smuggling laws. And there are cases right now, Scott Warren is facing a group called No More Death. Scott Warren is in trial right now for harboring and uh, you know aiding and abetting uh, this kind of smuggling operation that's currently happening. So because obviously you follow Mexico so closely, if you were to say, if you had a chance to sit down with President Trump and say, hey, here's how I would solve this problem and get Mexico to stop these people from coming up from the Northern Triangle, what would you suggest? You have to strengthen smuggling and trafficking laws. You have to strengthen, because that's what's gonna really stop the people that are uh, working with the cartels. They're, the cartels are not operating on their own. They're working with mm -hmm. Americans. They're working with Mexicans that are helping them. And they're using immigrants. They're using poor, desperate people to smuggle humans and weapons and drugs over the border. You can't stop that without mm -hmm. making the punishment harder. And I would also harsher. say in your, in, in your question, you're like, uh, if you could sit down to Trump and ask him what he can do. I think I'd be more interested in sitting down with uh, AMLO. AMLO. That, AMLO. AMLO, that's what they call him, uh, the yeah. Mexican president, mm -hmm. to see what exactly can he do and if he's actually interested in helping, because you never know with politicians. But that's my point, Raheem, mm -hmm. is the fact that Amlo might say, hey, you know what, I'm going to put a wall mm -hmm. up, I'm going to do all these great things, but until you get the cartel to do anything and work with you, I feel like his hands are tied. But that's a conversation we got to have with him, because as we can see, Trump can but, but, write but, every executive order he wants. But, you but know here's the thing, correct me if I'm wrong, can I just say one, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, Pinieto or Pieto was Pina the, Pina was the mm. former uh, president of Mexico, right? Yes. What, what did the cartel pay him? What did that gangster pay him? Uh, a lot of money. It was $100 million. I'm not saying Manlo's going to take $100 million. If you don't think that he's paying, that, uh, that the cartels are paying politicians in the U.S., you got another thing coming. Wait, because say that the cartel is paying politicians in the U.S. That's as a major well. accusation. How do you know that? Well, because the cartel pay everyone off. They can't operate unless they pay everyone off. And that is happening on both sides of the border. No do you, operation. Do you have proof? Do you know any of any U.S. I, I believe, lawmakers? I believe that it's very clear to Mexicans. It's an open secret in Mexico that politicians on both sides of the border are getting paid off. Otherwise, the cartels cannot operate. So what I'm saying is I think that we have to talk about you know, strengthening the laws that punish people that are part of these smuggling operations. But what's more important is we have to talk about the UN Pact. The president of Mexico is tied to the UN Pact that allows ma mass migration. Unless they get out of that pact, this is going to continue to go on because they've, you know, they've, they've made their bed in Mexico. And at the same point in time, that's what I mean. I think mm -hmm. President Trump then ends up sort of, you know, shooting himself in the foot for 22. I'm going to give you the last word and move on to another topic. Well, again, like it's a difficult issue, but at the end of the day, we're going to need Congress to act. It's really hard to see how this works moving forward without Congress. And that's gonna, we're going to need Democrats and Republicans to come together. It's either we're going to be a country with borders or we're not going to be a country and have open borders, which is a libertarian fantasy. I know, but, but to, to be in Realville, you've seen what's been going on in D.C. You see the Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, I just don't see these guys coming across and saying, yeah, you know what, President Trump, you're right, especially if they're getting paid off by the cartel, which he... Is assuming. I'm going to move on to this because this is fascinating. We can bring this graphic up, please. But many people thought when President Trump came down uh, his little escalator back in 2015 and he said, hey, you know, they're not sending us their best and rapists and criminals, talking about uh, Mexico and Mexicans. Shocking study for some. Trump has actually made America less racist, more anti-black and anti-Hispanic prejudice. It's actually declined more precipitously since 2016 than it did from 2008 to 2016 when President Barack Obama was president. Raheem, we'll start with you. Your takeaway from that, that piece. Well, 
Obviously, I, I don't believe the president's racism. I do believe there's still racism and prejudice within the United States, but I do believe uh, I give my countrymen the benefit of the doubt in that respect. Uh, President Trump has been amazing on some issues. Uh, obviously, the criminal justice reform, the First Step Act, that was that was huge in reversing some of the more, uh, how do you say this, uh, costly and ignorant things that were done in the past that uh, disabled and oppressed black communities. Uh, additionally, he record high historical black college and university funding in addition to uh, forgiving over $350 million in loans to historical black colleges and universities. This president has definitely been throwing out um, olive branches left to right. We've, he's been shamelessly pandering to the Jewish vote. Anybody who's been paying attention can see that. So this whole white supremacist Trump thing is like just the most garbage narrative. I mean, obviously, actually, with lowest unemployment <coughs> in the uh, black American community, you've got raises, uh, wages going up in black American communities as well. I think you're going to see the Candace Owens Blexit happen in 2020. Uh, well, one can only hope, but with that being said, I'm very cautious as an economist on giving politicians credit for the economy. The economy is fueled by American people, the American worker, is the entrepreneurs. Those are the people who build. And I and I do like the fact that under Barack under Obama the said you didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> under under our new regulatory regime, um, we are in in our uh, tax system where we're lowering the. Uh, barriers to entry, and we are making it uh, easier, especially with the Opportunity Zone, something that also Trump helped to get done, which had bipartisan support. We're helping bring investment into these communities yes. that have been neglected, and that's a beautiful thing to see. Cindy, I want to move on to you. you I think something you said tonight, too, that might surprise some people is, hey, the people in Mexico are sick and tired of what's happening as well, so let's bring it to the United States and people of Latina descent or Latin descent. Uh, your takeaway from the fact that you've got less prejudice towards Hispanics as well right now in the U.S.? You know what's really funny is that uh, Mexicans in Mexico are being accused of being Trump supporters and are being accused of being what? nationalist and racist <laughs> because Mexicans are saying, hey, we need our president to be like Trump, to care about his country first, to put the people of his country first, because that's not happening in Mexico. People are seeing how our country is being overrun with people from now, uh, the Congo, Africa, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq. I mean, like, they're like so upset about the, the millions of people that have been deported into Mexico from all countries, including Mexico, that are just living on the streets, that are homeless, that are don't have the, the, they don't have the, the, the attention and care. And they're saying, we need to put Mexicans first. We but, need to be like President Trump. But are you hearing the same Trump. thing in the United States for Mexicans as well, that, hey, I'm excited that President Trump is not trying to put his foot down and not have as much illegal immigration? No, honestly, I can't say that's true. I think that from the time the president came into office, the Democrats and progressives decided that he would be the new symbol of supremacy and nationalism. It's and absolutely that, true. And, and, and now that label is it's stuck, and you cannot even bring up a conversation. You have people wearing a Make America Great Again hat or a T-shirt, and that will make people on the left go crazy. So let me ask you this. What does it say about the American press with the fact that the numbers you just stated, the things mm -hmm. you just talked about, but yet if you were out there and you just watched the mainstream media and were talking to the average you know, Joe and Jane American, they'd say, Trump's white supremacist, most racist guy ever. So one of the things um, that happens to me is because I'm willing to take up for uh, Trump, and, and even more so, I'm shamelessly right-wing. A lot of people know that about me. Uh, I get called all kinds of slurs. I get called an Uncle Tom, a house <laughs> all kinds of very, very egregious things. And to be honest with you, anytime a person of color uh, come at me with those, those uh, slurs, I always sit them down and I say, hey, look, this is why I support the president. And I start listing off 
all the things that he's done that have been definitely pro-black. I was like, what kind of white supremacist bring rappers to the White House <laughs> to talk about releasing black drug dealers? And then do, does it like I'm like how vivid of an imagination must you have to fall for that? I was like it's like this is a very bizarre white supremacist. I you know I I, used, I grew up on the dirt roads of Georgia and the Florida Georgia border that line over there is where I spent my I know what a racist looks like and they don't do that. <laughs> they don't bring Yeezy into the White House. Last word. President Trump, uh, he was he was talking about the the Mueller report. But one of the things that I noticed about him is he said, "Thank you for being fair to me." I think that, that this to a reporter. To a reporter, yeah. yeah. He said, thank you for being fair to me. I think he just wants people to take him at face value and give him an opportunity. Like, take the mask off for a second that, that, that Democrats and, and progressives have put on him of being a racist and a white supremacist and just see him for the president that he is. Great stuff. Well, they're going to stick around for one more brief segment. We're going to talk about the fact that you've got more Americans now. We can go to this camera, please. More Americans now that support socialism than they have in the past. Raheem and Cindy will talk about that and much more when we come back. Email us, text us. We'd love to know your point of view. We heard there about uh, what's happening with the tariffs and much, much more. We'll be right back. Recent Gallup poll shows that 4 in 10 Americans, 40%, actually embrace some form of socialism. Sticking around, Cindy Gomez-Shemp and Raheem Williams talking about this topic as well. Uh, your take, the fact that now you see 40% of Americans embracing socialism. I don't know, somebody got brainwashed, I think. Because, I mean, it doesn't, it, it's, never, it's never been part of uh, America's uh, history. I was asking uh, my husband, Duke, I'm like, what kind of socialism have we had? And he said, uh, social security. I'm like, no. People pay into that. That's not socialism. So, like, we don't have that. We, I don't think that we could. Uh, if anything, it's anti because it only you only get the social security caps with the what 110 grand or something mm -hmm. like that. So it's really the the wealth people don't. I don't try to cut you it off. It doesn't you. work. It yeah. does. It doesn't work. And here's the thing that really bothers me: a lot of the people that are the democratic socialists are also the people that are on this really, you know, extreme. Uh, radical uh, BDS movement people. Correct. Most of the people that are democratic socialists are BDS movement people, and so that's very disturbing to me. Raheem <laughs> has got a great piece up on our Facebook page breaking down, and I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Raheem, but why socialism doesn't work. So your take on why more Americans are embracing so, it. I mean, I could talk an hour on this, but I'm going to try to be brief. <laughs> so one of the big issues is when you hear about democratic socialism, I mean, that's such a meaningless term. They're like, oh, well, if you vote, voting doesn't stop tyranny. I mean, they started off in Venezuela with free and open elections. People forget that. That's why conservatives keep beating that dead horse. They're like, why do we talk about it? It's like, because those elections started off free. They voted in this oppression. But let's go a little deeper. Now, a lot of people are like, well, we're talking about Nordic socialism. It's like, where has that been successfully replicated? It's like outside of like three or four very small homogeneous countries with populations of fractional Floridas, it's like not exactly anywhere. It doesn't work everywhere in England. It, it, they have problems with their national health care system, with cancellations. Thank, thank you said something very important. How, how much does mm -hmm. the fact that those countries are so homogeneous, so homogenous, does that impact that their ability to actually carry it out somewhat effectively, some would say? 
Well, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it's more about the fact that they uh, are have, small. they're small yeah, and they I have agree. a crap ton of oil that never <laughs> hurts. <laughs> so, but if it was so. something they could replicate, they would be replicating it in Europe and they're exactly. not. Exactly. And, and it's failed and it's not going well in Spain. Is, is, it hasn't worked in Portugal. Uh, France was on fire. Those protests went on a lot longer than the media actually showed. It, it's, it's been an absolute crap show. And it's never worked on in this hemisphere ever. Like, that's just clear as and day. And don't forget that the Democratic Socialists that, right, that we have right now in Congress, including people like Bernie Sanders running for president, they're all supported and funded by the Young Turks. <laughs> We're going to leave it right there because when we come back, we're going to give each one of our guests a final word. We'd love to know your point of view and your thoughts on the fact that four out of ten Americans now embrace some form of socialism. Email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Point of View. Always great to have these uh, kind of roundtable discussions. Mm -hmm. So to Raheem and Cindy, thank you so much, you guys, for having a fantastic conversation. Hopefully we'll do more of this. What I want to do now is just each one of, each one of you a final word. Whatever it is you want to say, 30 seconds. The floor is yours, sir. All right, well, young people and, a lot, and socialism's got more popular because a lot of people think only the rich are going to pay for it. That's a lie. That's not how it works in Norway. That's not how it works in Sweden. Everybody pays a whole lot more in taxes. So get ready to get your uh, pocketbooks and your wallets rated. And besides that, uh, join the North Dakota Young Republicans. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, speaking about getting your pockets rated, there was an article today where, like, the millennial generation right now is not doing well when it comes to putting money away. So... Hopefully something's going to change there as well. Because you've got government backing up these, you know, loans for their education. It's skyrocketing. I could go on and on as well. Uh, your final word, ma'am. Um, check out my show, Mexican Crossing Lines. My very last show was about a Native American um, journalist who got arrested at Standing Rock and was uh, talking about how, you know, our Fourth Amendment is shot. We don't have free speech anymore. There's an attack on journalists. And this is the hypocrisy of the left that we have people like that that just got recently arrested on May 28th screaming the white supremacist police uh, are attacking her. And it just shows that um, the left is uh, victim victimizing itself in order to gain attention. I've got 20 seconds left. Uh, what's the, how do I find your... 88.1 FM, Fargo, Moorhead. But also on Facebook? Facebook, that's it. On mm -hmm. Mexican Crossing mm -hmm. Lines, right? Okay. To both of you guys, great Thank job. You. We appreciate it's it very much. Pleasure. Check out our podcast as well. And the reason you want to do that mm -hmm. is because, as you know, Point of View, this is the show that's fighting for the truth for you. I'm Chris Berg. Enjoy a fantastic weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday night.